Welcome to the History of the Batman with London. Brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein from Meltdown Comics, and I am joined by London and from the shadows. We are also joined by Shadow Adam. London, how are you this week? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. We got a great show planned today. Um, I know this was a big episode that uh, that you were looking forward to. Definitely. It's one of my favorites to talk about on um, on the main blog on uh, Instagram.com slash History of the Batman. Um, it's pretty much discussing Batman's humanity in a sense. Um, I think there's a reason why Batman's one of the most popular DC characters is because he doesn't have the superpowers that many of his allies do, and a lot of people relate to that in a sense. And even though, you know, that he doesn't have powers, a lot of the fan base um, kind of sees him almost in a godlike sense that, you know, he uses all of his science and technology and, and knowledge to prep every time he has an opponent and that he wins pretty much most of his battles. And so there is a kind of God complex that's given to this character where with any prep time and in, with anything, he can win the battle. And that's seen in different um, comic arts, you know, a lot of people see it from Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns when he battles Superman or in Mark Wade's uh, Tower of Babel arc where he takes down the entire JLA, you know. And a lot of people use those as a defense, but of 76 years is a really long time and there have been a few or a handful of times where Batman has lost and it kind of highlights the character that he is and kind of his flaws show why we like him so much. And so I came up with kind of a top 10 list, um, and it's called The Myth of the Batman God Complex, pretty much debunking the theory that Batman can beat any being, whether it's super being or anybody. So Now, have you ever talked with people that actually think that he can't be beat? I mean, I think most people understand that he's... A man. Oh, I, no, definitely. I think that's where um, I was interested into kind of compiling, you know, something like this because I had a lot of, I talked to a lot of people who, no matter what I post, and especially if it's something where he does get defeated or, you know, he doesn't win, that they become really upset. And they're like, no, Batman can beat anybody, especially when it comes to Superman, which I always find fascinating because, like you said, everyone knows he's a man. And I think that's why people enjoy his story so much because it's an ordinary person doing extraordinary things, yet they think he can beat probably the the most powerful being in the DC universe. And it's it's very interesting to talk to people and to think that because they're, you know, they are true Batman fans. And I love that. I, mean, I love the passion that they're so, you know, they love this character so much that they believe that he can't be beaten. But like I said, his flaws, you know, that's something that's really interesting to look at and to see why we like him even more. Right. But yeah, I've definitely talked to people who think that. Well, I guess, I, yeah, well, I guess one of the things is, is when you think about it, and not to, you know, ruin anything, but 
Batman is still here. He's still around. So he is maybe losing a battle, but he seems to win the wars. Exactly. And even when we go through our top 10, you'll see that, you know, he'll have, you know, be, have lost at a fight. But in the end, you know, he defeats the enemy. And I think that's what a lot of people use. They're like, oh, well, in the end, he still won. But he had to, you know, get a couple punches and get a couple bruises to kind of get to that point. So I think that's something you can't really ignore when you read a lot of um, Batman stories. Right. So bottom line is, at certain times, he gets his butt kicked. Exactly. <laughs> and so you have prepared a top 10 list. Now, what, how did you, is this just through years of reading or is this you, how do you figure out that this is the top 10 list? What well, did you base this I mean, on? Well, I mean... It is from years of reading, and it's just going through different stories and looking at different, you know, his rogues gallery and different characters. And I'm sure other people, you know, they're like, oh, well, this person should be number one or number five, and they have their own. And and I just thought that this would be kind of a good list to see, you know, it kind of goes over different types of Batman comics from crossovers to Elseworlds and to regular continuity and just... The list itself is just kind of, it's more, um, it's not the same character over and over. It's not the same villain. It's not the same type of rogue. And it's just, yeah, it's just been reading and looking at, you know, the times he did lose, which aren't as many. And I'm sure Batman fans are really excited to hear that. But these, I think, kind of show different aspects of why, you know, Batman has flaws and he has faults and when he's weak and when he's not. And I think... I mean, personally, I think it was a really good list for people maybe who want to get into reading more comics or want to learn more about other villains that aren't really as popular as you always see, like the Riddler or Two-Face. You know, just it's kind of a more, you know, just showing different sides of Batman and different stories he's had over the years. So what is your standard? I mean, how did you judge the top 10? I mean, is this... Um, I judged it by the importance of the the villain who defeats him first of all, because there's a cup there are a couple on the list where you don't really see them anymore. You see them in the one comic or the one storyline, and then they kind of disappear. Or they become kind of obscure, um, and kind of what the if the story is as important, you know, if it's just a random Batman comic or if it's something that, you know, leads to a big event or, um, yeah, just kind of ranking it in, in terms of the importance of the character itself and the importance of the storyline and how it's important to Batman's history just in a general sense. So it, it took some research, yeah. but I think, you know, in, in general, this is a good top 10 for anyone who's just curious to see when he's lost even if it may hurt him a little bit. <laughs> I hear you. Um, so, for example, I did some research to uh, <laughs> figure some of this stuff out. So you're not included. So I know there was this uh, Sergeant Brandon that, that ended up shooting him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's not in the list. That's not in the list. Because that was a character that it was just a one-time. Right. And that was an officer who shot him, and he kind of disabled them or right and them there out. are a lot of times when there, you know there's even more just common crooks who maybe get a shot in or something and you know he's been you know he falls or you know he's been taken out but then he comes back and beats them but these this particular top 10 each character is unique in a sense and even though some you only see like i said in one story 
how they kind of defeated him, I think, is more significant than him just getting, you know, shot by some random person or... I got you. you. So we're talking big whoop asses. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So also, I'm just curious, you had mentioned a God complex. What, What is a God complex? Well, I think... Let's see. I think for anyone to have it or for people to think of it, it's like they they think of the person as kind of a god. And I mean, in just a general sense, someone or something that, you know, has some type of superiority or higher power over others. And, you know, I think a lot of people who are, are huge Batman fans of their favorite character, they see him kind of in that light is that he can't, you know, he can't be touched, you know, because he's always one step ahead of everyone else. And I think a lot of people, especially when it comes to the Superman versus Batman, and everyone just flatline says, oh, no, he can take out Superman, who we know is, you know, a, <laughs> who... I think can have the God complex if anyone has that for him anytime. I mean, you can consider Superman a God and you can consider other heroes, gods or goddesses, depending on their power. But I think it's interesting to see that this kind of applies to someone who doesn't have powers. And, and I think it's through, you know, it's, it's bias for the people who have it because they really enjoy it. It's probably their favorite character. Right. And they like to see him that way that, like, you know, he'll always win. And even if he's in a tough situation or is trapped or is captured, that he'll come out with something. He'll pull out something out of the utility belt. He'll have the Batmobile summoned or right. anything. All right. That's you know. Batman. I want to hear about the times now that he gets his butt kicked, okay? <laughs> I don't want to. I want to hear him pull out the the battering and it not come back <laughs> and then he gets stomped. So why don't you start the list? What is the t- the number 10? Can we count down? Yeah, is we that... can count down. All That's right. fine. So what's the the 10? Number 10. Number 10 is actually a crossover. It's a DC Dark Horse Comics crossover and it's from 1991. It's Dave Gibbons' Batman versus Predator based off the Predator movies. And even just saying the title, if you saw the movie or if you know anything about Predator, it's already how would Batman be Predator? Um, but since the at the time the movie was really popular, they did a crossover and it was contained into two stories. And pretty much um, in Gotham, there were these two rival gangs and their men, their henchmen, were pretty much getting killed one by one. And although they tried to blame one another, they discovered that there's this huge monster going around Gotham named Predator. And so they actually go to Batman for help. And even though Batman doesn't help, you know, the crooks or anything, he doesn't want anyone else to get killed. So he goes up against Predator, who, of course, is this huge alien and has this you know, high tech, you know, guns and has this ability to heal and and camouflage himself. Yeah, exactly. So pretty much he has all of these alien powers and is already just a beast. He pretty much in the first Batman fights him twice and totally gets destroyed. (laughs) I mean, it's bones broken and bruising and, you know, cursing. And he's just... He's pretty much defeated. And even though in the end of this story, um, he technically wins because Predator leaves and, you know, he saves Gotham and he stops the killings of the gangs. To get to that point, I mean, he was badly broken. I mean, you know, 
and definitely lost. And it's it's okay because I mean he's an alien. Right. You know? it's, it's so it's not something that's like, oh, why didn't you beat that guy? It's it's understandable, kind of. How how did he get the alien to leave? Um, or did he? Or did the alien just leave and they gave the I mean, credit to Batman? It, well, yeah. I mean, Batman fought him again, and then kind of he, he kind of just left. the The ending is kind of anticlimactic to me, right. but I think just in a general sense, Batman saved Gotham and stopped you know all of the awful murders of them being skinned and killed and everything. But trying to fight for Gotham, he, you know, he was defeated, which is fine. And I have it as number 10 because even though it's it's interesting because it's a crossover and it's something that's, you know, out of continuity, um, but it's still interesting because he's going against a being that's completely different from him, not even, um, you know, human. So... I thought it was pretty interesting that they did that crossover because the title's Batman versus Predator. So it's a means to like Batman fighting this alien creature and it's almost giving like, would he win? And to the, you know, normal person, it should be no, which is understandable. And I mean, Batman (laughs) Batman didn't even have time to prepare for it. It wasn't like there were news clippings like a mad... Right. Alien. It wasn't, you know, he didn't have the necessary prep time as he usually does to um to fight him and he used all of his gadgets and everything he could and his martial arts, but just, you know, he couldn't fight the high-tech guns, couldn't fight the the invisibility, couldn't fight the healing, you know, abilities that the alien had. I mean, it's just hard to combat pretty much. I guess it's also kind of cool that DC or you know, whomever was controlling Batman at that time, whether it be an editor or whatnot, would let him get beat, you know? Right. I mean, you're putting a iconic property against another iconic property, and maybe you'd say, look, Batman's got to get his licks in, but exactly. I guess not here. No, and I mean, like I said, at the end, it's kind of a given, it's almost a given victory, but... um yeah, before that point, because this was 1991, I mean, Batman pretty much won every, almost every fight. He probably lost only a handful. I mean, you can count on one, you can count on one hand. But yeah, that's why I thought it was pretty interesting, because it's one of the first, you know, real fights that, you know, even though people, it's it's out of continuity, it doesn't count and everything, it's still, he got pretty beaten up, and you really don't see that in most of the Batman comics. All right. That's number 10. (laughs) 10, Predator. Number nine. Who's number nine? Number nine is the Reaper. And he first comes in Detective Comics 575 from 1987. And it's within the story arc Batman Year Two. It's a follow-up to um, Miller's Batman Year One. And it's in the four issues. And it's by Mike Barr. And Alan Davis does the illustrations. And... This character really, it's its his first appearance. He hasn't really debuted, but he pretty much is the Grim Reaper, I guess, in the visual concept. I mean, he has the skull face and he has the, the cape and the whole, it's kind of like a red and black costume. And he pretty much was a regular person, uh, Jud- his name is what, Judson Caspian. And he suffers the loss of his wife and kind of, goes insane and first he leaves for Europe and then he comes back to Gotham and he wants revenge you know from the people in the city that you know killed his wife and it's kind of a whole you know 
revenge thing for him. And he starts causing trouble in Gotham. And Batman is hailed by Commissioner Gordon with the bat signal. and says, hey, we have this criminal and we have this guy dressed up like the Grim Reaper. And so Batman has to fight the Reaper. Wait, did the Reaper use a sickle? Did he yeah, use guns? He, he pretty much had, well, he's dressed, he has a sickle and he has like the robe. And that's what you initially see. So when Batman starts fighting him, he kind of has the upper hand, you know, he fights him, but then that's when he actually has guns. And mm. Batman, of course, he doesn't use guns, and so he's, you know, fighting him as best he can, blocking the bullets. You know, they're in, like, an alleyway, and he's using trash can lids to block them and everything, and then he eventually falls into the city sewers and kind of floats back to Wayne Manor. And in that fight, he really did get beaten up and... Alfred, you know, at home, I guess he had to repair him and, you know, all of his injuries. And I think why this fight was important was because not only could he not fight against him because he was using guns and Batman doesn't use guns, was that he questioned his own martial arts, you know, capabilities and talents because he went up against someone who had a gun and he couldn't beat them. And so in this issue, he has a flashback towards seeing the death of his parents, Thomas and Martha Wayne, by Joe Chill, who uses a gun to kill them. And in this uh, story arc, um, which in the last episode, we talked about Batman guns and killing and that history. And on two of the covers, Alan Davis shows Batman holding a gun. And it's because in this series, Batman has kept the gun that Joe chill ha used to kill Martha and Thomas Wayne and he has it in his study and he contemplates whether he should use it or not to get revenge and to you know get the reaper and he just kind of questions his own morality and his own you know talents and kind of how he you know does justice in Gotham and sees if he needs to change anything and I think that in itself is a defeat because he feels that, you know, he trained himself the way he wanted to. He learned all the sciences, all the martial arts and everything. And just with the Reaper going and using a gun and defeating him and, you know, beating him up badly, he questioned his own abilities to save his city. And so I think in itself that's kind of a interesting defeat. It's more it's it's physical and it's psychological as well. Yeah, did uh did Batman get the best of uh the Reaper at all in the story? Well, line? the Reaper was actually um he fell to his death and at this point he needed help and he actually had to have help from Joe Chill himself. Wait, Batman had to go to Joe Chill? <laughs> yes, it's it's actually interesting. He had to go to Joe Chill and his men because he needed help to get rid of the Reaper and so him and Commissioner Gordon, everyone was involved, and Batman was trying to, he wanted to kill Joe Chill because he was like, this is the person who murdered my my family. And he had to decide whether or not he wanted to step over that boundary that he's placed for himself. But in the end, Joe Chill is killed by Gordon. <laughs> he's shot in the head because he's going rogue and so he doesn't have to kill him. And so even though that's gone, the fact that he goes and 
tries to figure out, you know, okay, what I'm doing isn't good enough for the city and what I made myself to be. So maybe I need to use the alternative and turn to something that I've told myself, you know, I would never do was to use guns and to kill. So out of the Reaper, even though you don't see him anymore, you only really see him in Batman Year Two, it's interesting to see how much unfolds just from that fight with him. So wow. I placed him as number nine. <laughs> All right. Number eight. Okay, number eight is also a character that you don't really see much. I mean, after this series, you don't see him in comics pretty much until the New 52, actually. Um, he's Deacon Joseph Blackfire, and he is in the 1988 four-issue story arc Batman the Cult, which was written by Jim Starlin. Um, that is a very... It's a really good story arc if anyone wants to see kind of Batman out of his element, I think. Um, and like I said, in the in the late 80s, there were a lot of stories that were kind of dark. You know, there was like a death in the family. And then, you know, after Miller's Dark Knight Returns, there were a lot of Batman stories that were limited series, but they kind of went to that dark place and this is definitely within that genre um deacon blackfire he's pretty much a con man and he has this cult which he is pretty much made out of the homeless in gotham city and he pretty much uses religious propaganda and brainwashes them to be his army to cleanse gotham city which is to get rid of all the innocent and he has them kind of housed underground in the sewers and once you know chaos kind of starts you know batman begins investigating you know using his detective skills to try to figure out who's the leader of you know these murders and these raids and all of that and he is led to the sewers but he's knocked out by uh deacon blackfire and they he's captured. Now, it's interesting because there have been tons of golden and silver age comics where Batman's been captured before and, you know, he's been placed underwater with sharks and he's been tied and to up a, and to a moving right. uh, table yeah, with a saw at the end. Exactly. I mean, there's so many and he's done so many escape artist <laughs> techniques to, you know, get himself out of a bind, but this time they captured him. And they drugged him and tortured him. And he pretty much was kept underground. He he didn't escape. And he pretty much became one of their, like, minions, one of his people and brainwashed him completely. And he was gone for weeks and no one knew where he was. And then once the uprise came and they came from under the sewers, Batman was part of this rebellion, which involved killing and, you know, and everything. And it wasn't until the Robin at this time, Jason Todd, came and kind of snapped him out of it. He literally had to kind of help him and kind of get him back to sanity. Um, and once that happened, then him and and Jason went and kind of went up against uh, Deacon Blackfire. And in the end, you know, he got the best of him and he kind of made his army turn on him and his army killed Deacon Blackfire. So in the story, you don't see him anymore because, well, he died. But it's, and even though he came back and, you know, was out of, you know, being in that cult, I mean, he was, he 
really did get defeated. He was drugged, he was tortured, he was captured, and he even was made to kill other people and he doesn't kill. So in this arc, you see him totally, you know, for someone who is so, you know, strict-minded and has, you know, a philosophy of doing certain things, you know, his particular way, all of that going out the window, you know, is something major, I think, that would be interesting for people who enjoy Batman stories to kind of look at. You know, Jim Starlin really does a fantastic job. And um, Bernie uh, writes and he does the illustrations and the vivid colors and just the whole um, the whole work is a really good uh, uh, story. What year was that again? <clears throat> Um, that was 88, yeah, I, I remember that book. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember it being a big, uh, you know, a book that people needed to get. It, yeah. It was, it was new. It, that's, I'm, wow. To be number eight and to have, you know, basically captured Batman, drugged him and make, made him do things that obviously go against what he does. Right. Wow. And I the mean, only reason why it's so, I guess, low on the list is because you don't really see Deacon Blackfire uh, anymore. Makes sense. That's the only reason. If yeah. he was more, you know, present maybe in other stories, you really don't see him anymore. I mean, he he's like resurrected and like in in um, Infinity Crisis later, but then is dead again. And then New Fifty Two, he comes back briefly, and I think Batman Eternal. I think it's like number seventeen, and he has his own kind of cult again, and the Joker's daughter is a part of it, and everything. But you don't really see him anymore. I mean, after the story, you don't see him for a couple decades. In the other, in the other epi- or issues where. Uh, <laughs> Blackfire appeared, did he do things this extreme? Well, I mean, he still kind of had, I mean, especially, I guess, when you see it in Batman Eternal, which I remember reading, he tried to make kind of the same type of army, you know, he still had, he's still like a cult leader, pretty much. He still has that aspect about him, and Batman has to go up against him, but, but once again, you kind of see in the end that his army turns against him. Um, so, yeah, he's still kind of a, an intense figure. You know, it's very dramatic. I mean, I think any type of cult, anything, is probably, I mean, it's it's too somewhat, it's to some extreme. Right. So, well, yeah. It seems like to really get on this list, you not only need to best Batman physically, but you need to beat him mentally as well. Right. It's not just, you know, a gunshot, you know, to the shoulder and he's taken out for a week, you know. It's 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 more than just, you know, the physical. It's it's what kind of happens after that. And what it's what Batman how he responds pretty much to being defeated or what comes of being defeated, like what happens on the outside of it. Did Deacon Blackfire actually have ideas to go after Batman or did was he just doing what he was doing and Batman happened to get snared in his trap? Well, usually, and this is pretty much for any, I guess, villain in Gotham. Everyone knows who Batman is in Gotham City. And so knowing that he's pretty much like the savior of Gotham, any villain or any, you know, crime, anything, they they go after him as best as they can or they seek him out. Or, you know, they plan to try to capture him or stop him because they know he's already on your case and is going to try to defeat you, whatever you're doing in his city. So definitely they had an eye on him. And once they captured him, they definitely 
kept him. And they probably did the best job that probably anyone could do in terms of escaping being captured. All right. Well, number eight, Deacon Blackfire. Who we got at number seven? Number seven is Bronze Tiger. And that was in 1979. It was in a Detective Comics 485. And um, it was a Dennis O'Neill story. And Bronze Tiger, uh, Ben Turner, he is pretty much... This one's interesting because Batman and Bronze Tiger are pretty much equals in terms of their martial arts status. Bronze Tiger is considered one of the best martial artists in the DC Universe. So fighting him... You know, you kind of have an equal match. It's not like fighting Predator or, you know, kind of having a lot of things against you. They kind of have the same stats. And Bronze Tiger isn't a villain. He is, you know, one of the good guys, but he's manipulated by Ra's al Ghul to... He's pretty much one of his men, and he makes him try to kill um, uh, Batwoman, which at the time was... a uh, was Kathy Kane and so Batman pretty much is fighting Bronze Tiger to assure that Batwoman doesn't die because he's pretty much put on like an you know an assassination attempt and they fight and it's pretty equal but it's it's just with I guess the panel says one sudden swift kick to Batman's stomach that Bronze Tiger does and he's out I mean he's on the floor and he's down it's kind of like a KO like one two punch but it was just <laughs> that kick pretty much laid him out and another assassin came and killed Batwoman so in that issue Batwoman dies well, and that was Batwoman Barbara Gordon no well, this is a that's Batgirl yeah that's Batgirl sorry no that's fine uh Bat Batwoman was a uh, Kathy Kane Catherine Kane she was the first one there's a Batwoman now and they're different but yeah it's kind of the part of the Kane family um, and she, and even though her character wasn't as important at the time, she was kind of one of those characters that she was made in the early Silver Age, you know, kind of, but, but she wasn't like a superhero, kind of like Batgirl. Her and Batgirl are very different. Um, Batwoman was created originally for Batman kind of almost as a, romantic interest um but and she just donned a cape and you know kind of had a cute outfit and you know went with them and fought crime you know but but barbara gordon as batgirl it's a completely different um completely different type of hero so her dying in this issue actually wasn't as much of a big event you know, to maybe the editors or the writers at the time because she wasn't really as much of a significant character anymore. But for Batman, it placed a huge amount of guilt on him because he pretty much lost a Batman family member. Um, and it was because pretty much Bronze Tiger bested him with his martial arts abilities. Now, I've seen pictures of Bronze Tiger. He's like a, a man with a tiger face. Yeah, pretty much. Is it a mask? Or is it really a tiger face? Well, it depends on, I guess, which one. But I think uh, Silver Age, it was pretty much just a tiger face. And they kind of, you know, modernized it. And it's just a mask or it's just, you know, a man. <laughs> and he's kind of like wearing like striped kind of tiger print kind of. But it's more like a martial arts outfit. So it depends on which continuity. But, I mean, he's, he got, him and Batman are pretty much equals in, you know, what they do and how they fight. And so... 
So the fight in itself, you know, was pretty much, you know, it was re- it was reasonable. <laughs> it was understandable, but he just lost with one kick and the result of that was the death of someone who was close to him and that's what I guess makes this so significant is because he tried to protect one of his, you know, family members and he lost and that was the and the cost was her life. Now, even though after Crisis on Infinite Earths and the kind of DC reboot in 85, um, you know, you don't really see Batwoman anymore. Her character wasn't as important, maybe, if it was Batman trying to protect Robin and then Robin dies or anything like that. But the fact that for him in the comic, you know, he's like, oh, it's my fault. You know, I'm the reason that she died. It, it put a lot of guilt on him for losing this one fight. So I think that's why it's an, it's important, not because Bronze Tiger comes back and is a villain again, but because of the consequences of him, you know, and kind of his fault at that moment. So that's why I put him as number seven. Which leads us to number six. Who do you have at number six? Number six, I have a character that is Prometheus, and he is a Grant Morrison creation. And you only really see him in this arc. Um, I mean, for at least Batman and the Justice League and kind of fighting them. And it's in Justice League of America 15. And this is from 1998. And pretty much Prometheus comes and... He goes to Watchtower and he defeats each of the Justice League members, um, you know, with different strategy. But he goes up against Batman and even and Batman loses because and it's kind of unfair in a sense. But the fact that he lost and he had to, you know, he couldn't help the rest of the Justice League is interesting. He Prometheus wears this kind of helmet that has the ability to train him in all of the martial arts that not only Batman knows, but all the other ones he doesn't. And so he's, you know, over, he's not even his equal. He's pretty much, he bests him at his technique. And so it's kind of interesting to compare, you know, Bronze Tiger that we just talked about in Prometheus, because they both have the element of the martial arts, you know, but Prometheus has even more knowledge of it. And then he uses, you know, technology, which includes like guns and things like that. But he defeats Batman. And so it's like the Flash and Green Lantern, the next issue have to go and fight him. And in the end, um, it's actually Catwoman who defeats Prometheus. And um, to be as, I guess, frank as possible, she, she uses her whip and whips him in the balls. <laughs> and that's how he goes down, which is crazy considering all of the fighting and all of the special techniques he used in the issue before. And then he goes down because, you know, he got kicked in the nuts. So yeah. it's it's kind of almost comical. <laughs> it's not even, it's almost like you can't take it seriously anymore after that. Right. But the fact that he did be Batman with, you know, besting him at the one thing he has is how he fights, you know, physical combat is, you know, is pretty much a defeat, whether or not, you know, how the opponent lost in the end, you know. I guess it just goes to shows that uh, a man's private parts is definitely the (laughs) weakest. That's the the kryptonite for most. (laughs) Now, another interesting thing I think about Prometheus is just uh, who he is, right? I mean, isn't he the anti-Batman? 
pretty much, I mean, he, I mean, for him, the, I guess the, the law or the police, you know, his family was killed by them. So he wants revenge and justice against, you know, the Gotham, you know, the law, pretty much the police. And he's against, you know, the judicial system. Right. And that's the total opposite of, exactly. uh, of and that's Batman. Exactly. the opposite of Batman. So not only do they have that kind of reverse thing, but the fact that, you know, they fight, you know, toe-to-toe martial arts, I mean, it kind of is an interesting foil to have against him. You would think that you would, uh, when you'd be fighting crime like this or or going against the Justice League of America, you'd wear a cup. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh maybe not. Anyway. So that's number that's number 6. Is there anything else about Prometheus that uh that... Um it's an interesting char- he's an interesting character and I mean just the fact that, you know, his name's Prometheus. That's I'm I'm a fan of Grant Morrison and his creations and you know, I kind of I guess expected more from even reading this story and I mean, the first, like, the issue that he fights Batman and the other members, it's it's good. And, you know, like I said, I recommend any of these in the top ten um, that we're discussing. I, I recommend any Batman to read. Does Prometheus ever come back? Yeah, he does, but it's not really in a, I mean, I guess aligned with, like, the Justice League or with Batman or kind of in conflict with any stories. This is kind of his major uh, story arc that you see him in, I yeah. think, in for, for these characters. All right. Well, number six, Prometheus. Number five. Number five is Wonder Woman. And everyone always talks about Batman versus Superman and everything, but no one really asks, um, you know, about Batman versus Wonder Woman because, I mean, in the Trinity, which is Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, I mean, she... she's pretty equal, I think, to Superman and his capabilities. I mean, she's an Amazonian goddess and she has powers and she has incredible strength. And that's why even with the, the idea of the Trinity itself, that Batman stands alongside these two gods, I think that doesn't help people with this kind of God complex given to Batman that he can beat anyone because he's, he's aligned literally with gods. I mean, he's on the, the, the top with the best of the best in the DC universe. Um, and you really don't see them fight, um, and people even don't see them who maybe want them to have a romantic relationship. They don't even have that. But in a a story arc by Gail Simone, um, it's Wonder Woman, uh, let's see if I can pronounce it, Hiketia. I might be butchering the pronunciation. H-I-K-E-T-E-I-A. Right. And it comes out in 2002. Um, that story, they pretty much fight, and Batman completely loses both times. But in in the general sense, um, Wonder Woman has to protect this woman named Danielle, and from I guess an ancient a kind of ritual, and she has to protect her while she's in Gotham City. And of course, for Batman, he is very territorial, and you can see that in any story that you read about him. Gotham City is his city, and even when other heroes come from other cities, he's like, "This is my city. I, you know, I am the, you know, I do the rules. I do everything." And so Wonder Woman has to come to Gotham to protect her. And Danielle kind of has a bad track record and has some, you know, questionable things. 
um, that she's done. And so Batman wants to bring her to justice pretty much. Um, she do he doesn't think that she should be protected, but Wonder Woman doesn't go against her oath. And so she has to fight Batman to ensure that Danielle is safe. And so the first time they go, you know, head to head combat, she pretty much throws him across the street. And I mean, really Batman is no match for Wonder Woman in terms of fighting. And that was illustrated in this story. And the second time he fought her, he lost and she pretty much stepped on his head and said, don't get up. I mean, she is, if you have to give a God complex to anyone, she would definitely be someone I think who would almost deserve it. I mean, she's a goddess. And he admittedly knows this, and he pretty much says, okay, and submits to her beating him. Um, and, you know, I put her as number five because it's Wonder Woman. I mean, they're, they're allies. They're not enemies. She just, as Batman is, you know, he, ha he has certain ways that he treats Gotham City and what he has to do. For Wonder Woman, it's kind of the same thing, you know, for her society and, you know, from her history, um, she has things that she has to do and promises she has to keep and oaths that she has to live up to, to assure that what she has to do, you know, is done. And so it pretty much came to that head to head and Batman was defeated by one of the strongest beings in the universe, which, you know, I, that's... That's understandable. Yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> that's kind of like the reality check. Let me put you in your place, type. Kind fight. of right, and you know, like I said, people will be like, "No, he could beat her," and you know, that that conversation can go on and on. But I mean, I think this is a. I mean, the story itself is interesting, and the art is fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's just another one of those stories that kind of in our top ten that kind of shows that you know, Batman's human, and you know. He's not perfect and not saying that Wonder Woman or any other, you know, person in this in this continuity or universe is perfect. But Batman definitely is more human than the others. And so you definitely see that when he goes up against people as Wonder Woman. So I put her at number five. All right. Well, that leads us to number four. We're getting closer to number one. <laughs> I'm excited to hear who the reveal is for that. But uh, who we got at number four? Number four, we have the mutant leader who is in Frank Miller's Batman, The Dark Knight Returns. And this fight is in issue number two, and that comes out in 1986. And it's written by Frank Miller. Now, a lot of people, this is, it's funny because they use this story to kind of show how Batman pretty much can defeat anyone because in the story he fights Superman which we'll discuss later, but... Wow, you just gave me one of the <laughs> Yeah, tops. I bet you can figure it out. But um, this story, it's interesting because, you know, Miller, he puts Batman, you know, into the future, and you see him as a retired, you know, as retired. Um, he retires after losing uh, Jason Todd, and he comes back um, as Batman. He puts on the cape and the cowl because this gang is intruding Gotham and they're led by the mutant leader they're called the mutants and he pretty much wants to prove to himself and prove to even Alfred that even though he's aged and you know he's not as I guess spry as he used to be that he can defeat you know pretty much these punks he thinks and so 
he goes in and he fights the mutant leader. It's an issue two. And he pretty much, he, you know, gets a few hits in, you know, dodges a few, but then he pretty much gets annihilated by him and he almost dies. I mean, the, the, the huge guy breaks his arm, breaks his leg, and he really gives him a run from his money and he almost dies. Um, but then the character, Carrie Kelly, who is donning the Robin suit, she comes in and distracts the mutant leader and Batman's able to go into his tank style Batmobile and goes back to Wayne Manor and pretty much all of his injuries are fixed by Alfred. But that fight was really brutal and almost killed him. And it pretty much showed that, okay, I'm not the same Batman as I used to be. You know, I, I can't take the punches as hard as I did maybe when I was younger. And it kind of, you know, it kind of gave him some perspective. It kind of answered the questions he had to some of his fears that he can't, you know, win, you know, every fight again, that, you know, he isn't the same man as he was before, you know, he took off the cow, but um, in the later issue, he goes and he defeats the mutant leader and he goes back and everything. And so this would be one of those like, well, he beat him, but, you know, the first fight, he definitely loses to the mutant leader. I mean, he has to have Robin come pretty much and save him because he's so battered and broken during the fight. Um, so I put it at four because, you, you know, The Dark Knight Returns is a very important story, I guess, to Batman's history in terms of transitioning with tone and, you know, just how, you know, the important things that The Dark Knight Returns is to his mythos. Um, and definitely it's interesting to look at you know, it's kind of looking at him in the future and seeing, you know, oh, can he go up against, you know, the same bad guys or even ones that are even harsher, you know, and still come out victorious. And it just, you know, it shows his humanity. And I think that's why this one's really important. And especially when it's him coming back from being Batman. He's not always been Batman. He's been retired for years. So it's interesting to look at kind of that aspect and just in general, you know, that Batman is human. So that's why Mutant Leader's at number four. All right. Well, <laughs> now also, though, going into that fight with Mutant Leader, wasn't Batman a little overconfident? That Definitely. I mean, um, he, he thought he, I mean, he'd been retired. It's like, this is easy for me. Right, exactly. You know, he thought it would be the same as he was going when it was his first year out as Batman. But that's why it's kind of like another reality check that you know he ages <laughs> and you know he's not the same as he was you know a decade ago so definitely it's something to look at in terms of just how batman sees himself and kind of you know what he considers himself to be and he kind of realizes that he's not the same the exact same batman as he was before but he still wants to be batman so he kind of you know changes his you know kind of prep almost for the future fights and everything in that series, you know, for to, you know, complement how he is now. So that's number four. That's number four. Number three. And number three is Superman. And kind of like... Oh, that guy? <laughs> yeah, that guy, you know. Um, as I know there are Batman fans, and I've ta I talk to them every day, and there are a lot that don't like Superman. Where is that coming from? <laughs> Why are you on? I, I mean, you're your team Batman or your team Superman? Can you be on both? I don't see why not, considering 
See, you're so positive. (laughs) I am very optimistic. I I agree with it. I mean, I like Batman more than Superman, but I started to, I've started to like Superman, respect him a little bit more. I mean, just the iconic nature of the guy is, you got to respect it. We we live in a split Batman-Superman household. Fine. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, you're 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 pro Superman. Yes, definitely. Really, and you're and you're anti Batman. I'm not anti Batman, <laughs> but I but I but I but I definitely favor Superman compared to Batman. Right. Well, I I agree with that. <laughs> I mean, well, I agree with that. You can favor one, but but I think we were talking about that. You right? Like you don't like him. You, you're just you're a sophisticated <laughs> Superman fan. Right. Well, what what what's it? Why why would there be a split? It's interesting because a few years after they both debuted, I mean, they came out in World's Finest Comics together, and it's with him, Batman, Superman, and Robin, and I mean, they're allies, and they're, you know, as close to friends in the early, you know, decades as possible, and I really think a lot of people don't like Superman because I think it's the people who probably don't like this list, the people that, you know, really think that Batman, you know, is the best in the DC universe because not only doesn't he, he doesn't have powers, but he defeats people like Superman and like, you know, all of the other, you know, Justice League and, you know, people with powers, you know, all the time. And I don't know, I think some people don't like the fact that Superman is seen as such almost a perfect, you know, like the archetype of a superhero. I mean, he technically was like the first superhero i mean he even debuted a year before batman and superman's the reason why i mean superman's the reason why batman kind of you know exists exists well it's the reason why all exists. exactly i mean there's tons of you know reasons why superman is probably the most well-known i think next to maybe spider-man if you ask people you know who's your favorite superhero what superhero you know or if you just say oh do you know this character i think superman and spider-man just in a general sense are the ones that people would know the most. Um, but yeah, this kind of divide, you know, that they that some people have, you know, Batman and Superman, I think it kind of was produced after this story arc um, when Batman has to, when Superman pretty much has to take out Batman um, and, and that's in issue four of Frank Miller's Batman The Dark Knight Returns. And it's, I always, you know, people say, well, Batman beat Superman, but he had a lot of prep time and a lot of help. And let's face it, anytime Superman and Batman kind of go up against each other, except for this case that we're going to discuss next, Superman holds back. I mean, he doesn't want to fight Batman. He never does want to fight Batman. Even in The Dark Knight Returns, he didn't want to fight him. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to kill him because, you know, with one punch... He would destroy him. He would destroy him. It's not worth it. Right. To Superman. To Superman. I mean, he doesn't want to kill him ever. You know what I think? (laughs) I think it is. I think some Batman fans must take their cues from Batman. I mean, he's very territorial. You've already said that. I mean, maybe that's what it is. We're very territorial. They're very territorial about their love for Batman in the DC universe. Definitely. I really think the fandom, you know, how much, you know, you like this character and the fact that, you know, he's as human as it can get, but, you know, he's extraordinary. I think people don't like to see that either compared or defeated by a being like Superman, who, in a sense, they're kind of Superman and Batman are considered day and night. Um, but 
Superman is at number three, not only because of this dynamic and how people think of them, you know, the Superman versus Batman and how everyone's excited for the movie that's coming out and all of that. But if Superman did, you know, want to hurt him or didn't hold back, I mean, Batman would pretty much not exist. And you see that in the storyline um, Superman Sacrifice, and it's a crossover between Action Comics and Superman. And in part two, that's in Action Comics 829, and this came out in 2005, um, it's pretty much Superman is being manipulated, um, and his and he's pretty much being brainwashed thinking that his allies, the people in the Justice League, are his enemies. So when he sees them, they look like someone else, and he sees Darkseid killing Lois Lane. And, of course, for him, Lois Lane is the love of his life. And so once he sees that happen, he goes and fights Darkseid. Now, Darkseid, and, you know, he's killed Superman before, and that's like his, you know, toe-to-toe. That's his, you know, enemy, you know, besides Lex Luthor. But hurting someone so close to him you know he pretty much just keeps he just beats him down and literally is dark side visually an inch away from death until he he yells out clark stop and so he stops because the only person that calls him clark is batman is bruce and so he realizes that this whole time he's thought he's been fighting Darkseid, he's been fighting Batman, and he's not holding back, and he's been giving all of the full blows and punches that he can give and puts Batman in the hospital. I mean, Batman almost died. And I think this story kind of, you know, even if Batman fans don't like it, it kind of shows that anytime Superman and Batman have a confrontation in a comic, no matter what the the reason is, Superman holds back. I mean, he doesn't want to hurt Batman because even if they're not the friendliest, you know, at at the time, you know, he doesn't want to kill him. And in this story, not knowing that it was Batman, he, he did. I mean, he fought an enemy like he would someone that hurt his family. And he pretty much broke Batman in that story. And after he realized it, he was definitely remorseful and upset and outraged. But just showing that Superman can beat Batman if he really wanted to. That's why I put him at number three. Because just the whole Superman versus Batman, everyone talks about it every day on any thread, everywhere all over the internet. But when it really comes down to it, if Superman really wanted to, even as a major Batman fan myself, he I think he could take him out. <laughs> I think you're probably right. <laughs> So that's number three, which I'm sure most or many people might argue would be number one. (laughs) So I'm very interested to see who number one and two are. But obviously, before we get to number one, who is number two? Number two, I put as Bane. The villain Bane, and he is my favorite even though everyone in the room is laughing at me right now because he's my favorite, but but Bane is my favorite Batman villain. And it's, I mean, he was the first villain. So real quick, real quick, real quick. Yes, 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 yes. Bane is your favorite. (laughs) Yes. And so I, next week, you're actually going to do a show just on Bane. Yes, I am doing a spotlight. So it'll be a a love fest of Bane in here. Yes. All right, all right. Sorry to cut you (laughs) off, but I just wanted to give a little uh, promo of what we got coming. (laughs) Because uh, Mason, 
the engineer and producer here is giving you dirty looks yes. the whole time. He is making fun of me. Actually, I'll, I'll admit, the first fight where he actually broke his back. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's legit. Right. I don't, know, I don't know if it beats Superman. Like, uh, I'll give you this. Bane is a, is a mere mortal as well. Right. So maybe, if that's where you're going <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we're going to have to uh, convert Mason <laughs> next episode. Definitely. All right. but uh, So let's let's go. Since you kind of gave a little clue there, Mason, about why Bane is so uh, badass, <laughs> then uh, let's, let's hear a little bit, London, about why you put Bane at number two, besides him being your favorite. Besides him being my favorite, definitely. I'm not, I'm trying to be as non-biased possible (laughs) but bane is known as the man who broke the bat because before um this arc pretty much no one really came close in regular continuity just on a regular day in a regular storyline batman was taken out by a rogue and this was in the story batman nightfall which was a huge crossover event and the early 90s, 93, 94, and it had three parts, uh, Night, Nightfall, Night Quest, and Night's End, and the main villain is Bane, who um, was made particularly by Chuck Dixon for this story. Um, he debuted in a, a one-shot a few months before this <laughs> This art came out. I know, because they like Bane, too. They know that he's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Bane systematically broke Batman mentally and physically, and you see this in issue of Batman 497 from July of 1993. Um, Just in general, Nightfall, Batman releases all of the inmates in Arkham Asylum, and Batman has to go one by one and pretty much put them back. And this pretty much tires him, exhausts him. And he is mentally stressed and physically stressed, just trying to get everyone back into Arkham. And Bane discovers who Batman is. He knows that he's Bruce Wayne. He knows that he lives in Wayne Manor. He knows that he's Batman. And he, who, besides Ra's al Ghul, kind of in Batman's history, a villain who knows who batman is they're the only two and so that in itself is something that is kind of an important thing to think about in terms of him being one of batman's rogues and in this issue he comes into wayne manor and batman and bang fight he pumps himself up with the steroid venom that makes him even just a a super strong man he was already a strong man but it gave him pretty much an unbreakable you know supercharge and he beats batman pretty much to a pulp all over wayne manor going into the bat cave and knocking over you know the t-rex and the giant penny and all of the you know icons that interesting enough show you know batman their batman's trophies their batman's victories and bane just kind of pushes them over like it's nothing it's kind of um illustrating you know that he's literally taking down and tearing down all that he's built up because he wants to be the ruler of gotham and he does that pretty you know amazingly kind of metaphorically destroying him too exactly you know destroying what he's built over the years and what he's accomplished and then at the end he literally 
puts him over his knee and breaks his spine, paralyzing him for a period of time. And he can't be Batman for about a year's length in comic books. And yeah, I so, mean, that is that particular picture, I think, is probably one of the most iconic pictures definitely. in the Batman uh, comic book mythos. I mean, I think you maybe when he's carrying Robin. Right. And when he's getting his back broken by Those Bane. Those are the two panels. Definitely that Batman fans, um, you know, recognize. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, just the fact that it was the first time Batman ever really was taken out of being Batman because a rogue beat him, that already is important. And just just the fact that he broke Batman down, you know, in a such a careful way, planning it that, I mean, other villains have tried this for, you know, years before, many, many years before, since the 40s trying to do it. And then Bane comes in and he's not just, you know, huge, you know, he's brains and brawn. And I think you kind of see him as not just, you know, he's kind of frightening. I mean, looking at him in the comics and seeing him, he gives you that kind of fear factor. And he does what no one prior to this did and took Batman out. And then he had John Paul Valley as Batman and then he came back. But for a period of time... Batman wasn't Batman, and that single panel where he says, I'll break you, I mean, that kind of shows Batman's humanity probably better visually than anything prior to that. So that's why I put Bane at number two. I can't imagine that there's a number one. I mean, that is <laughs> that to me, if, I, if I'm thinking of Batman and, like we just said, the iconic pictures or moments in his career... I mean, I think of that back being broken. I mean, just right over Bane's knee. I mean, what a what an image. So I guess there's only one other image I can think of um, in terms of probably a villain or someone who could beat Batman, but I'm not sure if I'm right. So uh, who's number one? I... We got Can we get a drum roll? Is there something we can get a drum roll? <laughs> number one is the Joker. Is that surprising? No. No? Okay. That was the image. I think the uh, the, the killing joke yeah. face is probably, That's... you know, which is so powerful. It's not even Batman. You know, it's <laughs> Batman's not in that image. Right. It's that, that face it's of the Joker. Definitely. So, tell. I mean, obviously, the we've talked, we've had, uh, I think it was episode two, right. where we just talked about Celebrate. 75 years of, of the Joker. The Joker, yeah. So tell a little bit about the times that he's defeated the Batman. Well, definitely Joker has defeated him on a more personal level than other rogues because he's, like you said, in Batman's The Killing Joke and in Alan Moore's story, he shoots Barbara Gordon and, you know, who's Batgirl and he's even killed Robin, Jason Todd, and then Batman Death in the Family. And just in that way, you know, really broke down Batman um, in terms of just not only putting major guilt on him, but, you know, seeing that he failed to protect his family kind of in the same way when um, he lost to Bronze Tiger and Batwoman was killed. But these are definitely, it's already hard on Batman because Joker is his arch nemesis. He is his enemy. He's the one that he always goes 
head-to-head with and always has a hard time, I think, trying to almost figure out what to do with him or how to defeat him because every time Joker escapes or he's put in Arkham or anything, anytime Joker leaves the story, Batman has to go and think how many people he's murdered, how many people he's injured, what pretty much came from the Joker bringing chaos to his city and letting him go and not when he has him by, you know, the shoulders or when he has him by the neck to just end it, to just stop it. But his, you know, in the stories, you know, he doesn't want to kill. He doesn't want to do that to anyone. And so he won't go against his moral code to stop such a madman that has caused grief to himself and to all the innocent people in Gotham that he's come across. And I think even though, you know, for a year he was put out of being Batman when Bane broke his back, it's been so many decades where Joker has, you know, emotionally and psychologically beat him when he's escaped or when he is locked up again or when he has killed someone and Batman wasn't able to stop it. I think each, you know, moment that that happens, it's just a cut deeper into Batman's consciousness knowing that he failed in some way. And I think no matter all of the physical you know, times, you know, physical when he's been broken and everything that we've gone through in the top 10, you know, where people have beat him in hand-to-hand combat or when he's been up against a firearm or anything that he's been up against, it's never going to equal the traumatic toll mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, all of that, that Joker has placed on him over the past 75 years. So, That's why I put Joker as the number one in our list of the myth of the Batman God complex. Well, I think you made a pretty good case. What do you think, Shadow Adam? I think she's made a good case. Uh, If you look at Joker, I think it's not one cut, but it's, uh, like she said, uh, little cuts over the years into into a deeper cut. She's uh, demonstrated that he's broken uh, Batman mentally. And um, that can be just as damaging as the physical breaks that uh, she's demonstrated with the other characters. And um, sometimes, you know, the killings, especially of the family members, that can be hurt worse than the, the hurting, getting yourself hurt, I think. Yeah. And I think the fact that, obviously, he keeps coming back and it's more diabolical than the, the last time. Right, and there's no end in sight to him. Well, there is an end in sight, but Batman won't do it. Right. Exactly. That's the problem. Or that's <laughs> the good thing about Batman. Right. We haven't that's figured that pe- out. Right. That's what people like about him. But then again, you know, if you think about it, it might be. But yeah, that's so that's my top 10. Well, that's a great list. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to see what the debate would be. What if every if the listeners agree with that? If they've got any um, other input that they wanted to, or maybe there's a fight we missed. I doubt it, knowing the research that you do. But if the listeners and the audience want to get involved and uh, send you their top ten, or you know, tell you what you missed or what they thought you could add, how, how can they get in touch with you, London? I think the best way is if they send me an email at historyofthebatman at gmail.com 
Or if you are on Instagram, instagram.com slash history the Batman, just shoot me a direct message. And I definitely take all messages, anything you guys have into consideration. I read everything. So please, if you can, email me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. And we also want to open it up to the listeners that they can reach out to talk about or discuss or ask about new topics that they might want to hear about and things that they want to comment on. You know, we want to include them as well. I mean, part of the reason that you do this, London, is you've told me a number of times, is it just giving back to the Batman and the comic book community? Definitely. I think everyone who enjoys Batman stories just being able to kind of be in a certain in a in a community just to be able to enjoy it and talk about it and just you know it's nice to have other people that enjoy the same things you do and that's pretty much what i like to do with history of the batman is able to make a place where people can go and maybe learn something new or maybe discover a story they hadn't heard before or something about batman that makes them love him even more all right. Is there anything going on in the Batman world that uh, people need to know about? Um, really, it's just, you know, the uh, other things that we mentioned before. You know, everyone's awaiting the Batman Arkham Knight, which comes out June 23rd. Um, people are still, you know, keeping their eyes peeled for anything Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice or Suicide Squad, you know, for the films. Um, there's animated movies um, being released. I think Batman uh, Animal Instinct, this animated uh, DC film was just released and I actually got to watch it at WonderCon. WonderCon, yeah. And it was really good. It was a really good film and you actually get to see uh, Red Robin and Nightwing and Batman all fight together and on The Flash and Green Arrow. Green Arrow, which everyone loves all those characters, especially if you're a fan of the show Arrow and The Flash. So it's definitely a Batman Animal Instinct. That's a really good animated film. It's if you not check quite it out. as uh, dark as some no, of the other. No, it's very light. So it can be. It's, it's good for kids. Yeah. So if you have kids who are fans of Batman, that's definitely a movie I would recommend. And uh, even though it's a little far off, the, the Bruno Heller um, said that for season two of Gotham that they're going to introduce uh, Victor Freeze. A.K.A. Yep. Mr. Mr. Freeze. Freeze. And, and there's going to be some more Joker developments in the right. series as well. So that'll be something to see how they'll, um, if they're, if the Joker, you know, is who everyone thinks it is from that one episode or if it's going to be an entirely different person. But just knowing that there are more kind of costume rogues than just, you know, the kind of crime families that you've seen in the first season, it's kind of developing the Gotham City that everyone reads about in the comics. So it's it's it'll be interesting to see how all of that develops over time. And we talked briefly about next week's episode, which will focus on Bane. Other than being your favorite, why Bane? Why are we talking about Bane? I mean, aside, I guess we also talked about that he broke Batman's <laughs> back, so he's pretty important for that. One of the most iconic images in the Batman uh, history. But what what else do you find fascinating uh, about Bane that the listeners will enjoy? I think it's kind of fascinating the history after um, Nightfall, you know, after, you know, he breaks his back and then, you know, later he's defeated. But the kind of story arcs that kind of come in after where he kind of is involved with Batman, he actually helps Batman and the kind of family history that he explores and how it relates to different rogues in the Batman gallery and just 
in him as a general character in the DC universe and how he kind of is in a way not a sympathetic character because he broke Batman's back but in other ways you know he's going through a lot of kind of human things that other villains we may not care about or you know even know but his history be- beyond you know being the man who broke the bat is interesting as well so I kind of wanted to explore that in our next episode well I am looking forward to it I think we've uh, covered today the Batman's uh the myth of the God complex. So thank you, London, as always for sharing your insight and your research. Again, I am, I marvel at your ability to recall and retain the information. It's just, it's awesome. And I really, (laughs) on behalf of Meltdown, obviously want to thank you for being a part of the family here and uh, sharing your information with your fans and ours, and uh, hoping that, obviously, we're all considered one big community. So, thank you. No, thank you guys for having me on. It's really great to add more to what I can do on the blog, and hopefully can get more people excited, you know, about Batman. There you go. <laughs> all right, everybody, you've been listening to The History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood. This show has been produced and engineered by Mason Booker. If you want to reach out to Meltdown, you can hit us at Twitter, at Meltdown Comics, or you can obviously check the website, www.meltcomics.com. You'll find a place on the site where you can listen to all of London's History of the Batman podcasts. And again, thanks for tuning in. See you later. See you next week. Hi, guys.